This morning is Pentecost Sunday, and this message is in my heart, so I could probably do it without the notes, but I'm not too worried. Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is one of three Jewish, they are, no, that's not, uh, three Jewish festivals where the men had to go to Jerusalem to make their offerings. And it, the, first, uh, pa- the, the first celebration was Passover, thank you very much. It was the Passover. You want to hand that back until it finds its home? Which, which um, we know the Passover was, was when we celebrate, just a couple days later, we celebrate Easter. That was the first festival. The next one was 50 days later. Uh, the Greek word for it is Pentecost because Pentecost simply means 50. 50 days after that first harvest, the men would have to go back to Jerusalem and make an offering of the first fruits. And then the third uh, major holiday where they actually had to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem is in the fall, and that's the Feast of Booths. Um, and that's where they'd actually set up uh, booths and tents, and they would sleep in them. And they still, Jews still do that. Some uh, uh, strong Jews still do that today. They'll actually sleep in these booths out in their front yard, reminding them of the time that they were in the wilderness. So this morning, Pentecost... Is, has become a Christian holiday, but started out as a Jewish festival to honor God, and it was called the Feast of Weeks uh, w- because it was seven weeks. Leviticus talked about it. It was seven weeks after the Passover, after the first uh, celebration of the, the Feast of Ingathering, and uh, seven weeks in a day to be specific. And so in Greek, it got changed to Pentecost. So this was a day that there'd be a lot of people coming to honor the Lord in Jerusalem. Um, we know that Pentecost today was the day uh, that the church, that the God poured out his Holy Spirit onto the church. And, and really, today, his, most Christians believe that today is the birthday of the church. Today's the birthday. We could sing happy birthday to the church today. Because though Jesus had done his work and he had ascended, it wasn't until after the Holy Spirit was poured out on, the Pente- on that first Pentecost Sunday that the church began. This was the day that 3,000 people came to know the Lord, just a very short time after the ascension of Jesus Christ. And so today is an extremely important day because it marks the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. I want to read a couple of passages, one in uh, Mark chapter 16. And then uh, we're going to be, we're going to read a number of scriptures today. This is the, the last words of Jesus before he ascended. He told in Mark 16, 15, we know this very well. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Go with me to the next book, uh, or two books over, um, Luke, chapter 24, one book over. Matthew has a very similar passage at the end of Matthew, but I want to hit Mark and Luke specifically this morning, chapter 24. In starting in verse uh, 46, Jesus is talking about how G- the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. For, verse 47, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. He's talking to the disciples here. And verse 49 is the key. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Everyone say power. Power. We're going to have power today. We're going to talk about power. So say it one more time. Power. Power. Woo! I got the power. We're going to talk about power this morning. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. So here Jesus is the son of God and he's died. He rose from the dead. He's telling his disciples, you're going to go into the world. You're going to preach the gospel. You're going to make disciples. You're going to do all these things. But he says, wait. Wait until you're endued with power from on high. It's so important as the church of Jesus Christ to understand that God didn't want to leave us as orphans and he didn't want to leave us powerless. He sent us the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, we're going to find out what happens here. So Acts is a, is a continuation of the book of Luke's. Luke, it was written by the, um, Luke the physician. And starting in verse 5, it says this. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And John chapter 20 talks about being baptized in the Spirit as well. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or season which the Father has put in his own authority. Church, we need to stop putting dates on when he's coming back. Okay? But you shall receive power. You shall receive power, right? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus told his disciples, you're going to go do this amazing work, but you have to wait until you're clothed, endued, filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit with power. He says it again, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In chapter 2, we find that the the disciples, it's uh, Pentecost. In the meantime, in chapter 1, the disciples are waiting around in an upper room. They're praying. They pick somebody to to replace Judas's spot, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. Now, they knew of the term Holy Spirit, but they had never seen an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like they're about to hear. And so when, when, when Jesus said, wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, wait until you're filled with power by the Holy Spirit, they had some ideas, but they really, truly didn't understand what was about to happen. And so they're waiting, they're seeking God, they're praying, and, and it says this in chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. These, these scriptures are important to understand that this is a great opportunity for the Holy Spirit to come. The disciples, the apostles are together in one place. So they're in harmony, they're in unity. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Okay, I don't know if you have ever been like in hurricane force weathers. We've had some pretty strong weather winds up here, but this isn't a gentle blowing. You know, we think the Holy Spirit came, and sometimes when, when Pentecostal preachers pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit, they breathe on them and go, Listen, that's not the kind of wind that's happening here. It's a mighty rushing wind. People who've heard mighty rushing winds have dis- uh, described those winds sometimes like a train coming. This was awesome. It was full of power. Okay? There's power here. 
And it says there was a, a sound of heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them dividing tongues as of fire. We don't know if they looked like fire or not, but they were divided tongues kind of like fire. And one sat upon each of them. My mind is blown. Okay, imagine we're having our Sunday morning worship. The worship team's going on, and all of a sudden, the place starts shaking, and we hear, and all, on top of every one of us, we see this, whatever this tongue of fire thing is sitting down, and we would just go, wow, this is so great. Bless the Lord. No, we're going to be like, whoa! God wants to shake us up a little bit, and that's what he's doing here. He's shaking them up, and it said, this is awesome. It says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, we don't know for sure what that is. And, and, and let, let me explain. Some, some scholars believe that they began to speak in known languages that were unknown to the speaker. For instance, if I started speaking German or something like that, all of a sudden I don't know German, uh, and I started speaking that. Well, there was about 120 people together in the room. The, the tongues of fire come. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happens. They're filled with the Spirit, and they begin to speak in other tongues. Some people believe that what they were speaking in was that prayer language that, that sometimes you hear here in the congregation where somebody might be praying quietly in a language that you don't know. Now, if you're sitting next to Gudrun, you, she might be praying in Norwegian, or she might be praying in, in tongues. Um, if you're sitting different people, they might be praying in, in, in you know, French or, or Spanish, or they might be praying in a heavenly language. What was happening there? Honestly, we're not positive if it was a known language or not, because a miracle is about to happen. Each one was praying. They were all speaking in tongues, and the Holy Spirit is, is being poured out, and what happens next is amazing. Peter, timid Peter, who denied Christ just a few days before, stands up in front of thousands of people and declares that the person that the government just killed for being bad is actually the Christ. You know, you don't want to line yourself up with the enemy of the state unless you truly believe it. And that's what Peter does. But what's crazy is just a few days before, he was denying him. What's the difference? Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and power. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and power, your life changes. Your life begins to change. I love it because here it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The word power in the Greek is the word dunamis. Dunamis. Now, if, I don't know if you know the story of dynamite. Dynamite was actually invented by Alfred Nobel, or Nobel, if you will. You know him because he was the inventor or the, the one who started the Nobel Peace Prize. Actually, he started the Nobel Peace Prize because he had invented dynamite to help drill and to blow holes in the mountain. Um, they did excavating and things, and he, d he invented it to help the miners and the diggers to make holes, and then the military got a hold of it and started killing people with it. Okay, that's actually the story of, of dynamite. And, and he in invented the Nobel Peace Prize because there was a, a mix-up, and they thought he died. And for his obituary, it says, the, the, uh, the deliverer of death um, has died, and he never wanted to kill people with his dynamite, and so that's when he changed everything, and he began to award people for doing good things in science and literature, and, and of course, the Nobel Peace Prize. There's a little history for you, all right? So, but, the, okay, all, all that, and why did I say that? 
Dynamite did not exist until he invented it. So the word dunamis did. And when he f- discovered dynamite with nitroglycerin, all the stable, stable ability to make explosions, he says, what should I call this amazing power? I'm going to name it after the word for power in the Bible. And I'm going to name it dynamite, dunamis. Because the dunamis power of God is like dynamite. It comes and it's explosive. And I don't know if you've ever seen dynamite used. It changes things. If you throw a stick of dynamite into a hole, it changes things. And that's what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in our life. When the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, he is supposed to change our life because he came to bring power. Everyone say power. Power. We're going to remember power. Amen? Amen. Some people don't want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. I was reading and reading and reading this week, and, 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 and I'm looking at the power of the Holy Spirit, and so many Christians want to downplay the power of the Holy Spirit and, and only put it, compartmentalize it. Now, there are parts of what, what the, some of the believers are saying is absolutely true. The Holy Spirit does come to indwell us. He comes to remind us of things. There's a number of things the Holy Spirit does, but some Christians are afraid of this other part of power, that the Holy Spirit came in power. The problem is, is it's all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. Acts chapter 4 said this, With great Power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 6, Stephen, who was the first martyr, it says, a man full of God's grace and power. It doesn't say a man full of God's grace and love, grace and mercy. It says grace and power. There was something in Stephen's life that made him different and having an ability and a supernatural power. And it says that he did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Is power important? It's obviously important. Romans chapter 15 says this, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. I'm leading the Gentile, in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. And here's the important verse. It says, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. Paul did his ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit with signs and miracles. Power in ministry is so important. It's all through the word, and it's supposed to be all through our lives as Christians. We're supposed to walk in power. Okay, so what is this power? So the first, I got a number of P's today, and and of course the first one is simply power. We want to talk about power. Now I want to talk about what is this power? God did not uh, give us a power. God gave us himself. So you remember, the Holy Spirit is part of God. So it's not like he just gave us a power. He actually said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be in you, the Bible says. In the past, it says the Holy Spirit was on you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will be in you. So the power of God is God himself living inside of us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, it's, it's similar to to a light bulb. You know, we've we got lights all over this, the, this place, but the, the power isn't the light bulb. The power is the electricity itself. The power is the electricity itself. The light bulb only holds the power and shows forth the power. See, we're like that light bulb, and, and God dwelling inside of us is the electricity, and we shine forth in power. He said that he would send the gift of the Holy Spirit. The power is not the gift. 
the power isn't speaking in tongues. The power is the Holy Spirit. So the, the, we, we have to keep our, our focus right because if we get off focused on the power, then we're going to be focused not on God, but we need to focus on God and understand that as the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in and with power, and we focus on him. The power is the Holy Spirit, and the power is from God. First, it's from God, and secondly, it's for others. When the power of God comes into our life in the form of the Holy Spirit to do miracles, it's from God, and it's not for us, it's for others. 2 Corinthians 4 says this, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The Holy Spirit lives in us to bring power, but the power isn't for us, it's for others, and it's from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. This is the Apostle Paul, and, and apparently, um, you know, they believe that he wasn't a super great orator. Uh, he says that they were with wise and impressive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Now, in the church today, a lot of us try to uh, work on becoming a better orator, knowing how to defend our faith, and those things are wonderful and noble purposes. If you're well-spoken, it's, it's wonderful. You can portray a message in a better and more powerful way, but if there's no, none of God's power, it's just man's wisdom and man's ability. Now, I don't know if you've ever listened to a salesman who was really good at what they did and made you want to buy what they were selling. Anyone relate with that? I mean, you know, how many times have you ended up with something, and as soon as you walked away, you went, what did I do? <laughs> right? But you ju- they were just really good at what they did. Here's what's interesting. We did it in the moment, and of just a few seconds later, we're like, what did I do? Why? Because the wise and persuasive words went away, and something convinced us outside of that 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 was a bad mistake. See, I can come with wise and persuasive words and try to convince somebody to be a Christian. But I tell you, if I can convince you to be a Christian, somebody who's more wise than me and has better persuasive words can convince you not to be a Christian. But if I come in the power of God and a miracle happens, and life is transformed, what are you going to say about that? You're like, you know what? I don't care what he says. Something happened inside of me. Something changed. Because remember, power changes things. And so we don't want to just go with wise, persuasive words. We want to walk in power. Amen? What's this power for? It's not for us. God does not give us the Holy Spirit so we can gather in a small group and prophesy to each other and speak in tongues to each other and keep that power in itself. Now, does that ever happen? Yes, and we're a small group. We might have a a word of wisdom or encouragement or even in a church service. But what's the ultimate goal of of any gift of God is for other people to grow in their faith, to come closer to Jesus, to be convicted of sin and come to faith. The power of God is not for us to feel better about ourselves and feel like, wow, I have a gift, so therefore God loves me. The power is that he would use me to impact the world. He wants us to impact the world. 
go with me back to Acts chapter 1. You're probably still really close. Chapter 1, verse 8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In times past, I misunderstood this, and I felt like it said, you shall receive power and go and do my witnessing. And I used to do that. And I, I mean, I've been all over this nation on the streets, uh, street witnessing and sharing my faith, and there's, there's a lot of value in that. And, and, and there's a time that we do his witnessing, but this doesn't say that you're going to do my witnessing. It says you'll receive power and you'll be my witness. There's a difference between doing witnessing and being a witness. When you are a witness of God, your whole life testifies that God has done something in your life, and it's a be verb. We're called to be, not to do, the Bible says. And so the power of God comes in us not just to go and do crazy things, and I used to do some fun crazy things, carrying crosses in like L.A. and New York City and you know, we were watching a movie the other day on Times Square, and I'm like, I've been on that corner holding up a cross and proclaiming Jesus Christ, right, in Times Square. Harlem, those are kind of crazy things. That's where I did something. And, and God empowered me to do it, but he also empowers us to be, to be a Christian, to be full of the Holy Spirit in your day-to-day -day life that you will make a difference in the places you go if you allow the Spirit of God to live through you, you will be his witness. And that's exciting. Because I, I, when I'm talking about going out and doing street witnessing, I can look at a whole bunch of really scared faces going, not me. I ain't ever going there. I remember when Gary first came to, came to the Lord, we dragged him down to, to Hollywood to do street witnessing. And I mean, I think it, you know, he'd, only, he'd been on the other side of that in his life. And so he was out there, and, and you know, he, it was just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> But see, the Holy Spirit comes in power, and he allows us sometimes to do, but he also causes us to be. It's, they're not mutually exclusive. Now, some, some people just talk about the being part, that he just wants us to be. Well, he wants us to be and be with power, but he also calls us to do. So I'm not, discre I'm not discrediting either side. We're going to be his witnesses, and we're going to do amazing things. We've been talking about Holy Spirit for a number of weeks now. We've talked about the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is what happens when you allow your life to be controlled by the Spirit of God and you're growing in the grace and the knowledge of God and fruit begins to happen in your life. Well, that's one of the ways that you are able to be a witness. You know, one of the, one of the accusations of the church is that it's full of hypocrites. Well, I don't think it's full of hypocrites. I think the world has some hypocrites in it, and some are in the church. But I don't think the church is full of hypocrites. No more than anywhere else is, is full of hypocrites. It's like, you know, catching the guy who's, like, supposed to be super healthy and working out all the time eating a ding-dong. You know, I mean, come on, hypocrite. There are people who, who say one thing and purposely do another. That's hypocrisy. That's actually hypocrisy. Are there some in the church? Unfortunately, yes. 
but what the Holy Spirit wants to come and do is, is empower us to, to be real. You know, it's, it's, it's a shame when, when a Christian talks about Jesus and says, I've been set free, and oh, I love God, and yet on their home life, they're full of, of addiction or anger or rage, and, and, and it's not lining up, and they're, and they're even unrepentant about it. They just live this way. That's kind of hypocrisy. Not the person who still struggles with that, and every time they struggle, they fall on their face and say, God, help me. That's, that's, that's what we're all supposed to be. But the Spirit gives us power to live for him, to overcome the enemy. The Bible says that he gives us power over all the authority and the power of the enemy. And that's through the Holy Spirit's power. He gives us a power to live for him. He gives us a power to live for him by dying to ourself. A couple weeks ago I talked about this, that outside of Christ, you can't say no to sin because we have a sin nature. But in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he actually gives us the power to say no to ungodliness. We just have to exercise that power more and more and walk in it, and it becomes easier and more frequent. The power is from God. It's to help me live a godly life and to have power to be his witness. I talked about Peter already. Peter was given boldness to proclaim the word of God in a powerful way and 3,000 people get saved. Miracles. And then you read the rest of the book of Acts and continuously through the book of Acts there's healings and prophecies, people being raised from the dead because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'll challenge you today. If you can find a scripture in the Bible that tells you that the power of God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit was only for the disciples in that era and that it was all going to stop at the close of the canon of the Bible, then, then just, just show it to me and I'll change my whole theology. It's not there. If God gave us the power in the Holy Spirit, then it's still for today. And he wants us to walk in all the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know some of the gifts of the Spirit, you can read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. It talks about the spiritual gifts and how we're supposed to use them and what they are. He lists things like prophecy and words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Um, there's super, supernatural miracles. There's prayer. There's all of these things that are gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been poured out for the body of Christ to be his witnesses and to walk in power. And these gifts are available today and he wants to use them in and through you. I know a number of people in this congregation who, who've been uh, in a situation and all of a sudden they felt something and often they go, I don't know what was happening, Pastor, but I just felt this thing and I just told this person this, this, this news and they started crying and, and what was that? And I said, well, that's the gift of wisdom. That's the gift of prophecy. It's something that God was unctioning inside of you to bring something to somebody else so that they would draw closer and grow closer to Jesus. He still does it today. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower believers in order to bring glory to God. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower believers in order to bring glory to God and not glory to ourselves. That's one of the problems that's happened in the church at times is that the Holy Spirit comes and it becomes like a show. 
That's not, that's not what it's for. The purpose is to empower us to live a godly life and to bring glory to God. Psalm 34, 3 says this, Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. It's a, it's a, it's a goal to glorify God in and through our life, and the power of the Holy Spirit should be helping that. Jesus, uh, Jesus' aim on this earth was found in John 14, 13. He had a lot of things that he did, but one of the things he said was very telling. He says, I will do whatever you ask, talking about the Father, in my, or uh, talking to the people about asking God, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. Jesus' purpose on this earth was to bring glory to God. If that's Jesus' purpose, it should be ours too. How's our life? Are we bringing glory to God? And, and, I, and I tell you, I believe that the Holy Spirit is empowering and living inside of us, but many people are saying no to the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't just mean to prophesy or to, to do a miracle. I, I'm even saying that the people are saying no to the power of the Holy Spirit to let them finally be free of the sin that they're in. And, and, and I don't want to offend anyone purposely on this, but I do want to challenge you. If you're living a life that says it's full of the power of the Holy Spirit and struggling in your sin, what kind of a witness is that? Hey, accept Jesus Christ and you can be just wrapped up in your addiction and sin like me because he's done so much for me. But I believe that God is empowering you to say no to ungodliness and to walk in freedom through the Holy Ghost. When we live in right relationship with God and we set our hearts on being a witness, so that others can be brought in a right relationship with God through Christ, God is glorified. When we live in that right relationship with God and set our hearts on Him and help bring other people to Christ, God is glorified. When we share our faith and we help other, com other prodigals come home to God, God is glorified. I believe when there's unity in his body, the church comes together as one like we did this morning to worship him, God is glorified. When we work together with other believers in the community, like we had our national day of prayer and all the churches gathered together and we just worshiped God and prayed in unity, God is glorified. The purpose is to bring glory to God and not glory to ourselves. I've been, in, I've been a Christian for over, over 30 years now. And I came, in, came to Christ and in a time that was a little different in the, in the church. The, the Pentecostal movement was still, still big. I, and, and some of my fa fa fathers in the faith and founders of the faith came out of the Jesus movement and the early Pentecostal revivals of the 70s and early 80s. And, and that's where I come to, came to Christ. And there's been teachings throughout the time and emphasis on things. And, and I, I've gone through these things myself. And I'm coming out the other side realizing that at times we focused on the wrong things. You, you may have even, and now it's, it is changing, but maybe you've, you've been asked as you as were having a conversation with somebody and say, oh, I'm a Christian, and somebody might have said, well, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You say, well, yeah, I think, I, think I'm, I think I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the next question they almost always ask, do you speak in tongues? And we, we, we set tongues up to be the focus of the Holy Spirit, like part of the, like that's, that's the, the end-all thing is just to be able to speak in tongues. It's not. I believe it's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe it's something that God gives us to build our faith up. I think it's extremely important. I, like Paul, says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. 
But that's not the focus of the Holy Spirit. God is the focus of the Holy Spirit. And whatever power he wants to bring through us, we need to be open to. And I'll put, including speaking in tongues. He wants to empower us to live for him. And the purpose is to bring glory to him and not to ourselves. And for, for a Christian to make another Christian feel less than because they don't speak in tongues is, is just wrong. To give that, to give that off. But to, to say, hey, press into God because I think God has more for you is okay. This is a difference. Oh, you don't speak in tongues. Well, you're not quite as good as me. God doesn't love you quite as much as he loves me. No. But, but, but I'll be honest with you. If there is anything that God has for me that I don't have yet, if there's anything that God wants me to experience that I'm refusing to experience or closed down to experience, I want to experience it. Even if it makes me look weird. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit does come on us, we, you know, he, he just overtakes us. Anyone ever cried uncontrollably because God touched you? You know, and you try to fight the tears and there's snot hanging everywhere. And there's nothing you can do because the Holy Spirit has come and done something in your life. Anyone ever have a, have a time of, 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 of joy in, in the Holy Spirit and maybe even laughed in a way that you're like, why am I laughing? You felt like it was from God? That's actually happened to me. You know, they, they call it holy laughter. I don't know what it, what it is, but, but it was something that came over me, and I just, I, I, God was doing something in my life. Some people will dance because the, the God is doing something in their life, and they're just rejoicing. That's okay. That's okay. Because when a life is changed, it brings glory to God. And if God is doing something in my life, and my response is to dance around, but at the end of the day, my life has changed, that'll bring glory to God. Even if other people go, man, he's a weirdo for dancing. But when they see my life changed by the power of God, they go, well, man, he's a weirdo for dancing, but look, we know him. He used to be like this, and he's no longer like that. He wants to come into our life in a powerful way to help live for him, to be a witness, and to have power in the world. In John chapter 4, Jesus is having a conversation with the woman at the well. And it's a great, great time. He's using, the, he's walking in the gift of wisdom and knowledge because he knows stuff about this woman, that she's uh, been married five times and she's not living with her husband now. And he begins to just have grace and mercy in this conversation, putting it back to the Lord all the, to all the time. All the time. And this woman, because of the love of God, but also the power of God that is being revealed because she at one point tries to avoid it. Oh, I, I perceive that you're a prophet because he knew some things about her, tries to change the, change the topic, and Jesus just keeps coming back and brings her to salvation. She goes off into her little town and finds people and says, I found the Messiah. Come. And she brings everyone she knows back. And as they're coming to meet this Jesus, this woman who's had their life changed just for a very short time is living as a witness, bringing her friends to come and meet God. 
the power of the Holy Spirit was there in her life and working through Jesus. Remember, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus started his ministry, okay, well, let, let me ask you, did Jesus have to repent for his sins? So what was Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan? As a witness, the testimony, and the Holy Spirit comes down and descends upon him as a dove. And it rests and remains on him and Jesus himself, full of the Spirit. Shows us that we're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit. And everything he did was because of the power of God. See, when Jesus walked on the earth, he gave up his ability. It's always hard, hard, hard to say. He chose not to walk in all of his deity because he had to suffer as a man. He had to walk as a man. He had to be tempted as a man. Now, at any time, Jesus said, I can call the host of angels, and they can come and deliver me. So it was a choice that he wasn't tapping into his deity, but yet he was filled with the Holy Spirit to do the, the miracles that he did. And so the Holy Spirit is here. He's moving through, moving upon Jesus, just as he says it's going to happen with us. Greater miracles than these, he said, that you'll do than I do. So here's this, this awesome moment. This woman is bringing back a cloud. Uh, a, a, I call it cl- the cloud of witness, but the, this group of people. And his disciples have now caught up with Jesus, and they're having this conversation about him, going, what are you doing here and all that? And, and Jesus, like he did so many times when you're reading this discussions with Jesus and his disciples, they'll like ask a question, and he'll just talk about something totally different. And he said, look, for the fields are white, to harvest. He wasn't talking about, about the natural. He was talking about this group of people who's coming with the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And I believe he looked out and there was this great throng of people. And he says, the fields are white to the harvest. And if you know uh, in, in farming, when the wheat begins to turn that white color, you better harvest it quick. It's ready. And he says, these fields are white. They are ready. He says, ask the Lord to send out labors. It's interesting that Jesus in John chapter 4 is talking about the wheat harvest. And he says, look, the fields, the wheat is white and it's ready to be harvested. They're ready to be saved. And Pentecost is the ingathering and first fruit offering of the wheat harvest. And that's not a coincidence. The Holy Spirit is coming, came on that day to help us understand that the harvest is now and it's time to harvest. He told them to wait. He told his disciples to wait until they had the power. But once they had the power of the Holy Spirit, it's time to harvest. Churches, that's for us. The power of the Holy Spirit comes on your life. It's not for us to just feel good about ourselves, but it's about having the power to be a witness and to walk into a situation with the power of God. Do you remember when, when uh, P- Peter and James were walking into the gate, beautiful, and, and there was the, the guy there that says, you know, they're begging alms. Do you have anything? And Peter and James looked at him and said, silver and gold have we none. But in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Do you remember that? I don't know if that morning they were talking, going, hey, when we go to Jerusalem today, let's heal somebody. Now, they might have been. 
But I think they were just full of the power of God, and they were walking, going somewhere, and because they were open to what God wanted to do in that moment, the need presented itself, and they went, wait a second, we're not just going to give a buck today. Here, here's a dollar. Uh, don't buy uh, booze with this. Um, just whatever you do, it's just for you and God. That's, that's what I do too many times. I just give some money. They stopped, listened to God, and did something crazy. Walk. You know, we can walk in the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that if we're listening to him, he might call us to say, stop what you're doing and pray for this person because they're going to get healed. Because the power of the Holy Spirit is still for today. And it's for believers to walk in power, walk in victory, walk in obedience, and bring glory to God. Because the harvest is white. It's ready. And we're living in a really, really dark time, and people need to come to Jesus. People need to come to Jesus. Another tragedy of a shooting in high school. Finally, the conversation is beginning to change a little bit from gun control to people need life change. People need Jesus. Isn't it ironic that after a tragic school shooting, everybody on both sides of the political aisle can say, pray for the school that had the shooting in it. Pray for the school, right? But how come so many of those people said, but up until the school shooting, we're going to take prayer out of the school? I guess we can only pray in school if you get shot. No, we as believers need to come in to our friends and neighbors and bring God and say, listen, the answer isn't politics. It's not, it's not democracy. It's not a system of government. It's not a philosophy. The answer is Jesus Christ. But we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and walk in that power in order for it to be a valid witness. Amen? Amen. Pentecost, the ingathering of the wheat. We need the power to do that. Who wants power? I want the power. I want the power of God. We're not going to work anything up today, but I tell you, the power of God in the Holy Spirit comes to the life that's yielded to Him and says, come upon me, Fill me, move through me, I'm yours. And if you're not ready to be his, you're not going to receive and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Now I just encourage you to lift your hand. You can stand if you want. We're lifting our hands as we're going to receive something today. Heavenly Father, Father, I'm tired of, of low walking, God. I'm tired of powerless living. I'm tired of seeing it in the church today. God, I, I, wanna, I want us as a body and believers throughout the whole world, but specifically here at Christian Center this morning, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in power, to live in power, power to say no to ungodliness, power to be transformed and live for you, and power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, 
power to speak your word and see people saved and changed. Fill us this morning again. If, if we've never asked before, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And for those of us who've been filled, God, fill us again. Let it be fresh. Let our lives be a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we might walk in power. In the name of Jesus, that we might be fully yielded to you, that you would live and move through us the power of God in the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that, that we would be as even as the early church, that we would turn this city upside down and that people would take note that we have spent time with Jesus. God, and that the harvest would begin to be reaped and lost lives would be saved. Those who've walked away as prodigals would return home because you're thrusting us into the harvest filled with the Holy Spirit and power in Jesus' name. Amen.